turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Serving God and sharing Christ brings the devil's trouble into your life. You can write in your notepad, it's a fact. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's broadcast with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled Temple Time and the End of the World. That's Temple Time and the End of the World, and we hope that you enjoy it. Remember that you can always find this broadcast and many more online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Here's our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Dear Father God, I'm grateful today that we possess in our hands the Word of God. And that the Bible is not the Word of man, but the Word of God. And we can trust it, we can rely upon it, and we can be found in Christ through it. Help us to be obedient Christians, Father. Not legalists, but obedient Christians with the peace and joy of acceptance. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you know, I count things up in the Bible all the time. If you count 27 times the word open, you'll find that the word open occurs 27 times in the book of Revelation. I mean, it's a fact. That word is a huge word in the book of Revelation. In fact, the book of Revelation itself in the Greek language is the word apocalypsis, and it means an opening or an unveiling. The book of Revelation itself is an invitation to know God in an open kind of way in your life. How many of you ever felt like God's just shut out of your life? You can't bury your way into a relationship with God. Have you ever felt that way? Come on, have you? I have. Especially if I've let the Lord down. But here's the bottom line. The book of Revelation in clarion clear tones declares that we worship a God who has opened the door to himself. And he has opened himself such that we can know him, we can experience him, we can be saved by him. The book of Revelation proclaims early on that God has opened a door for us to know him and for us to come to Jesus. And I say amen to that today. You know, the book is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, some Christians think, well, Pastor Mike, you know, the book of Revelation is about beasts and scary things of the end. You know, people, when they say that, it's coming from ignorance. The book of Revelation is first and primarily a revelation of Jesus Christ so we can be saved through the troubles that come upon us and that we find at the very end. It is the revelation of Jesus. I don't know about you, I need more Jesus in my life. And I need Bible teaching and preaching that has the content of God in it. I don't want this fluff stuff that doesn't help me get to the kingdom. I want the real stuff that anchors me deep in God so I will be saved through any circumstance of life. Now John was in such a circumstance. We know in the book of Revelation that John was on the island of Patmos all alone in terms of his church that was back in the city of Ephesus. He was isolated from worship believers. He was out there and... I don't know about you, I have been alone in life, 
and so have you, I'm sure. And I don't like being alone. I like being with people who love God and love me. What about you? I don't like being isolated. You know, loneliness is very often the rule in life. And John found the rule as a hard thing to deal with on the island called Patmos. He was in trouble, a lonely kind of trouble. Now, according to the early church records, that evil emperor Domitian had taken John, had dropped him into a vat of boiling oil, and his body was disfigured. And so he ended up on the island of Patmos kind of hobbling around, unable to move as he ought. His joints were affected. He had been through the tribulation, the boiling hot tribulation of the emperor Domitian. He was scarred by the trouble of his oppressive life. And now he was having to deal with the outcome. And he was not a young man, he was an old man. The beloved disciple did not feel beloved on the lonely island of Patmos. He was hurt and he bore the consequences in his body. And that's why he says, I was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He said, I preached the doctrine of Christ. I led people to Jesus. I opened up the Bible and this is what I got. That's why I'm here. You know, when a man or woman stands up for the truth, he or she bears witness to Jesus. Friend, trouble comes into that life because of the testimony of Jesus. And you say, well, you know, I'm going to church because I don't want any trouble in my life. I'm going to church because I want an easy path. I want my life to improve. Well, those are good things. But dear heart, the fact is that when you come to Christ, there is a unique kind of trouble that comes into your life. It's the trouble that comes because you love God. It's the trouble that comes because you are trying to do the right thing. The devil will not let you do the right thing and find the Lord without protesting by sending trouble. Serving God and sharing Christ brings the devil's trouble into your life. You can write in your notepad, it's a fact. So it was with John. Jesus appears to John on the island of Patmos on the Lord's Day. The Bible's very clear in verse 10 of Revelation 1. You know, the Lord's Day. Some people say, well, the Lord's Day here is the day of the Lord. No, he was not there on the day of the Lord in terms of the end time day of the Lord. That's just a bunch of theological nonsense. Others will say, well, it's the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Well, the New Testament doesn't say that. In fact, we know from the New Testament and the Old Testament and by the consistent witness of Christians for 300 years that the Lord's Day was Saturday, the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Old Testament and the New Testament Christians. For almost 300 years, the early church kept the seventh day as the Sabbath until the church fathers at the Council of Laodicea took it upon themselves to change the law of God. Now think about that. You call yourself a church father... And right there, you can read about in the great ecumenical councils and the William Shafe series on the church fathers. You can read about it where they willfully and deliberately took it upon themselves by the power invested in them as church fathers in the church. 300 years after the apostolic witness had been given, the apostles had died to change the law of God. And they focused in on the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment. And they changed the solemnity, they say, from Saturday to Sunday. And then they went a little further. They pronounced a curse, an anathema, on anyone who would obey the Word of God. And thus they did as the church fathers. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I could care less what those church fathers of the third and fourth century wanted to do if they are differing with my Bible and the witness of the Scriptures. The Sabbath truth was taught by men and women in spite of them in the 3rd to 4th century. The great missionary movements that moved among the Goths, that took the Bible to the Gothic realms of the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, and the Vandals, 
It was a Sabbatarian Christianity that was met in the frontier lands. And so in the six centuries, armies were marshaled against these believers to stamp out Bible-believing Christianity in the West and to drive the Christian church into the wilderness during the Middle Ages. Those Bible-believing Christians, many of them godly pastors, died horrible deaths to be true to the Sabbath, to be true to Jesus, to be true to the Bible when the church of the East, the Orthodox church, forsook the living Christ and His Word. So you see, it matters when you bear witness to Christ, when you bear witness to the testimony of Jesus. You can expect trouble in your life. It happened with John. It happened with the early Christians. You see, friend, the book of Revelation starts with holy time and a holy man who is in trouble because he shared his faith. It's not man's time, but it's man's trouble that's imposed upon him. Not a religious leader's time, but the Lord's time is what he's interacting with here on the Isle of Patmos. Look at Revelation 1.10. Take your Bibles, open them, and let's focus in on this verse. The Bible says, I was in the Spirit. Well, how does it read? On the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Here, God's time is treated like a holy place because the holiness of God's presence meets the troubled man on the Lord's day. John was in the Spirit, the text says, on the Lord's day. In the Spirit is a condition. It's a state of mind. It's a framework of his relationship with God. He is in a direct connect with God right here. And Patmos is a place. It's clear it was the island out there. We were going to go to the island of Patmos. We had our big tour in 2008. Didn't make it, but because of a storm, couldn't get out there. Someone gave me a bottle full of rocks from the island of Patmos. So I actually have some of Patmos in my house. I really feel honored by that. So Patmos is a place, and when the Lord's Day comes along every seventh day, and it does, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, the Lord's Day is here, the seventh day, then the lonely island wilderness of Patmos was transformed. Something majestic happened to it. It became more than just an island stuck out in the middle of the Mediterranean. It became a wilderness house of God. Just like the church of the Middle Ages would go into the wilderness, John in the wilderness of the island of Patmos on the Lord's Day was suddenly in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. It became a temple in time out there in the middle of the sea. Now, many people today want to have the Holy Spirit in their life. How many want to have the Holy Spirit in your life? Really? I mean, come on. The peace of the Holy Spirit in your life. But they are not willing to come to Jesus Christ and worship Him on the Lord's day. Now, think about that. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And people say, well, I want to have the Holy Spirit, but I don't care about the Lord's day. That's like saying I don't care about the Lord and don't care about His Spirit. Mark 2.27, Jesus said to His disciples, The Sabbath was made for what? For man. Not man for the Sabbath. I've never been able to figure it out. I mean, my kids, when they were here at Reaching Hearts, they're finishing up their college experience. My older son is down in Chattanooga working in emergency medicine, this kind of thing. And, you know, they're moving on. But I remember here at Reaching Hearts, Sabbath was the great day of the week because they would say, man, we're going to church. And, you know, it was just the greatest day of their life, Sabbath. And the kids would flock around them. The kids of our church ought to see the Sabbath as the funnest day of the week. They ought to linger by here and someone ought to keep the place open so we can enjoy holy ground on the Sabbath day. And when kids learn to love the Sabbath, they'll keep the Sabbath. And so my children learn to love it.
You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. God made the seventh day to be a day that is for us, not against us. We are wholly His on God's timetable, and that should be the focus of a holy life. Worship, friend, is the most crucial need in your life, and Christ comes into your life when you honor His temple in time with Him. And John 1.9, John was on the island called Patmos because of the hard kind of tribulation in his life. Let's read the verse together. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus. Now you see the phrase in Jesus. Now the next phrase that follows it is meant to be connected. In Jesus, the tribulation. You see, the trouble you have is not yours alone. You have it in Christ. And the kingdom and the patient endurance was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And verse 10 follows, which we just read. I was in the Spirit of the Lord's day. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. On the Lord's day, the voice of Christ is the clearest and the sound of His voice is the loudest. He heard the voice of Christ like a trumpet. I don't like, you know, on the Lord's day saying, well, let me speak to the people of God today. Today, we will open up the Bible We're going to open it up, and we're going to be very humble about this. We're going to share the Word of God and not get excited today. We don't want to get excited. No amens, please. No hallelujahs out there. No excitement. This is the Sabbath day. Have you ever heard any of that kind of thing? That's foolish talk. Look, Jesus shows up on the Sabbath. John hadn't heard a sermon in a long time because he doesn't like preaching to himself. And here is the voice of Christ like a trumpet call on the Sabbath. You know, I don't know how that sounded, but you know, like a shofar horn. He, hey, that's Christ's sound. You know, Christ didn't preach a whiny kind of preaching. He was a bold declarer of truth. And like a trumpet, his voice is heard. You see, on the Lord's day, God's word is loud, it's clear, it pierces the deadness of our lives. Now notice the key words here in the context of Revelation 1. Tribulation endurance and the Lord's day. They're kind of a package here. Where have we seen these words before? You know, just before Jesus died, and he died on the Mount of Olives. In fact, there's a book by Ernest L. Martin called Secrets of Golgotha. He nails it. Jesus died at the summit of the Mount of Olives. It can be proven. Christ here is on the Mount of Olives, probably the very spot where he will be crucified on. And he's telling his disciples what's going to happen in the future. And he brings these three words together. Endurance, tribulation, and the Lord's day in so many words. Look at verse 13, Matthew 24. Christ is speaking. He says, but the one who endures, there's the word endurance, endures to the end might be saved. What does it say? The one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom might be preached. It doesn't say that. It says, will be preached throughout the whole world. Now, this is legal language showing that the gospel goes to the world in the context of a pre-advent investigative judgment as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's pretty powerful. 
That means if we want Jesus to come, we need to share Jesus. It means if we want him to come, we need to be bold about the proclamation of the gospel. And then Jesus warns his disciples to know the prophecies of the book of Daniel. Some people say, well, you know, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I believe in Jesus, the gospel. Don't give me that Daniel and Revelation stuff. I really don't want that. I go, man, do you know what you're saying? You're saying, I don't want Jesus. Can you catch yourself here? And you're saying something else. Look at verse 15. So when you see the desolating sacrilege, the abomination of desolation can be translated, spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, what does Jesus say next? Now Jesus is speaking. What does he say? Let the reader understand. Now I have a pointed question for you today. How many of you here today would like to be an ignorant Christian in the last days? No hands went up. How many of you like to be an ignorant Christian? I mean intellectual types who are really ignorant. Who say, well, I'm an intellectual Christian. Don't study the book of Daniel with me. They're really saying, I'm an ignorant Christian and I don't know what being an intellectual Christian is. You see, when you come to the Word of God, you don't pick and choose which part of the Bible you're going to follow and read. God has given us the entire Scripture. And so the prophecies are to be understood. Jesus is very clear. He said, let the reader understand. Friend, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, these books together are open books at the time of the end. And God wants us to know them, to understand Jesus in them, and to be ready for His coming because of them. Christ said plainly that we need to understand the deep things of God. Yes, the abomination of desolation, what's talking about and other things, to not be deceived. There is no substitute for persistent and heartfelt Bible study in your life if you want to make it through the end. You cannot be casual with God as a Christian. An understanding Christian must be deliberate in reading his Bible. Now I have in my hands my Bible. Take yours out and put it in your hand. It's a good thing. Just hold it for a second. Now, I used the new Oxford Annotated Revised Standard Version because I first did my memory work with it many years ago. I know it well because I've read it many times through. Whenever I buy a new version, I wear one out every six years, have to buy it. It's still in print. The Lord allowed me to get a Bible that was still in print for 30 years. I cut the back off. I sent it to my book binder, and he puts a fine hardback leather binding in this Bible so I can hold it in my hand. I wield it like a sword. You know, so it doesn't flop around. You don't want a floppy sword. You want one with a little stiffness to it. But you see, this Bible to me goes where I go. I go out the door, the Bible goes with me. If I have five or ten minutes here, I'm reading and studying that Bible. If I feel down, I'm seeking strength from that Bible. This Bible is my sword and it's my strength because Jesus is in this Bible. Now we have this really crazy view of inspiration going around the last few years. It wants to act like these words in this Bible weren't arranged by the providence and power of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you can't trust the words of the Bible, you can't trust the Bible, which means you can't trust God, and you can't trust Jesus because He's the Word. We know that that's a false theory. So the bottom line is take your Bible, use it, live by it, become an intellectual Christian who knows the Scriptures. Jesus said, let the reader understand. You have to read to understand. Now look at Matthew 24, 20, and 21. Here we have the Lord's day and tribulation together. Remember what the key words we saw in Revelation 1? Endurance, tribulation, and the Lord's day. Now here's the Lord's day alluded to in Matthew 24, 20. 
Now, Christ will die a few days later. So he's not talking about what will happen between then and the cross. He's talking about the importance of something after the cross, of what will happen after he dies. In fact, he's looking down to the time of the Roman invasion and the end of the world, and he's telling us what really matters for us to be strong Christians. The very first word of verse 20, he says, pray. (laughs) When was the last time you prayed? Pray, and then he says pray for something. That your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. You may have to run in life, but you better pray you're not running on the Sabbath day or the winter. Now, if it's winter, you're going to freeze to death. If it's the Sabbath, you're going to lose God's presence. Pray. Now, when you pray, you're in the Spirit, right? Well, how do you know that? Let me prove it. Turn to Ephesians 6 to 18. Paul says, pray at all times in the Spirit. So that's how you get in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplications to that end, keep alert. With perseverance, that's another word for endurance, making supplication for all the saints. So we need to have a good, strong prayer life. We need to be in Christ, and we need to do it consistently to have the endurance that helps us get through trouble. That's what John was doing on the island of Patmos on the Lord's Day. He was praying in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And that's how he got to be in the Spirit. Some people say, well, I want the Holy Spirit, but they don't pray. You know, God has carved out the Sabbath day so we can pray and grow and fellowship and have the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a hugely important thing. The Lord's Day, friend, is a day for fervent prayer and worship and meeting the Lord and hearing the Lord's Word with a loud trumpet voice like the one that Jesus had when he preached to John. And that's why we preach on the Sabbath day. Can you think of anyone who was fleeing on the Sabbath day in the Bible? Can you think of a story? Well, you know your Bible like I do. King David, was he not? He was fleeing on the Sabbath day from King Saul who was trying to kill him. He wasn't a king yet. And he came to the tabernacle at Shiloh, I believe, where it had been erected, where the priests were there. And he was hungry. His flight was on the Sabbath day. And they brought him right into the sanctuary precincts. And they said, I need some food. They gave him Goliath's sword, the iron sword. But then they gave him some bread. And the Bible is very careful to note that there was hot bread that they gave him that day. And the reason it was hot bread was because it was the Sabbath day. The bread became hot. New, fresh bread was placed there on the table of showbread in the sanctuary. What does that mean? It means, friend, if you want old moldy bread, try worshiping on Sunday. You want old moldy bread, try doing it on another day. The great day of convocation when God's Word is alive and when it's hot, fresh bread is the Sabbath day. We should run to church on Sabbath, not run away from God. Because the Sabbath is important for your prayer life. The enemy of God, friend, wants to throw trouble at you on the Sabbath day and every day. Have you ever noticed you get up early in the morning, Sabbath school is starting, yep, you're late, and also, you got your children late, and you're just trying to figure out why you're late. You're going through all the trouble. This person calls you on the phone. This crazy thing happens. Your suit was dry cleaned poorly. Your tie is torn. Your socks have holes in them. You know, it'll happen on the Sabbath day early on. Come with your holy socks. Come with your tie messed up. Just come early anyway. Don't let the trouble of the devil keep you away from getting to church on time. And so Jesus says, dig in and pray that you will not be running away on the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is the Lord's day and because the Sabbath has God's presence inside of it, friend, the Sabbath is a day to grow in courage and faith. If you're having a hard time in your Christian experience or in your life in general, 
And you don't get to church on time on Saturday to worship God on the Lord's Day and enjoy the fabulous interaction of the Word of God in small group settings. For your children to get here, these teachers put forth effort to teach them the Word of God. For your children to get here on time and experience it then how can you expect God to encourage you with the Sabbath stuff? So you need to set your alarm clock early, get up early, and prioritize it. At 9 a.m., there's a group of people right here in this church praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Sabbath day. They prayed for every one of you before many of you got here. You know, to be there with them and to enjoy the prayer time as we enter into worship is huge. As soon as Jesus speaks of the Lord's Day, the seventh day, which is Saturday... In Matthew 24, 20, immediately in Matthew 24, 21, he talks about the great tribulation that's coming. You know, we've heard about the time of trouble and, you know, this awful time of trouble. The plagues fall, the world falls apart. Jesus comes after it. We go through it and people get a little terrified about it, rightly so, maybe. So now Jesus introduces the tribulation idea. What are the three key words? Endurance, tribulation, and the Lord's day. Now we have the tribulation. Look at verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days had not been shortened, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Friends, so when Jesus says you need a meaningful prayer life, on the Sabbath day, to have endurance in your life, to face tribulation, does he mean it? Does he mean it? Hey, we need to take that to heart and prioritize those words. Unfortunately, we need to leave it there. Please join us tomorrow when we conclude this message. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your Heart yourheart.com 888-244-HOPE that's 888-244-4673 you can donate right there on the website reaching yourheart.com 888-244-HOPE thanks for listening and as always we do pray that God is reaching your heart